You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Ooh To Be A Podcast, our Huddersfield Town podcast. I'm your host Rory Benson and joining me today is Blake Welton. Hello. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Excellent. Uh, we'll start as usual by talking about our wonderful sponsors, Beer 52. Um, I think it's 5 95 for the postage and you get your first crate for free if you use the code Huddersfield. They're really good if you like beer. If you don't, probably not for you. <laughs> um... We'll crack straight on, straight into the Huddersfield Town news of the week. The international break is finally coming to a close, um, but it's been good news for Huddersfield Town with three representatives, possibly four, going to the World Cup next year. Uh, Aaron Moy, Zanka, Jonas Lossel, and possibly Florent Haddujanai. Um, first people, who, assuming they're all at town next year, they'll be the first people since Ray Wilson in 1962 to uh, represent their nation at a World Cup whilst playing for Huddersfield Town so great news for all the players and for Huddersfield Town as well Yeah totally and it just shows how far Town have come I think we were talking not long ago how the international call-ups was Naki Wales for Bermuda and uh, possibly Sean Scannell so it just goes to show the development of the eight last 18 months under David Wagner and as he said in the press conference they've all come back with a, you know, a spring in their step and something to aim for for their continued success this season. Play well, you know, get into the squad and hopefully get into the starting eleven. Particularly Zanka and Lossel will probably have more, you know, to play for than say Aaron Moy and uh, Flo, as I'm going to say, because uh, even David Wagner struggles to say it. So that was well played by you, Roy, uh, to say it right. Um, and Flo as well. He might be looking for a permanent move and you know getting into that Swiss side. Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think he's got something to offer. Um, Switzerland aren't the best side in the competition, but they're by no means a dodgy side. So, you know, let's hope that he can break into it and there'll be four of them there, hopefully playing against each other as well. Yeah. Hopefully they just don't injure one another <laughs> in an attempt to uh, to win the World Cup. Um, right, let's move straight on to Bournemouth. We don't have to talk about international football for a long You're time. You're making it sound like international football is the worst thing ever. I, I'm I'm all right with it. I quite like it, but I know what you mean being here and not gadding off to Wales or Northern Ireland or Czech Republic. So it's awful. I just I just want to cry every time it's the international break. Um, Bournemouth. Uh, let's start with the team news. No Casey Palmer this week. What did uh, David Wagner have to say about him? Uh, yeah, Casey's um, obviously been back in full training. Um, he, he joined the rest of the group um, in Marbella um, with a training session. He played, you know, 45 minutes in the under-23s on Monday. Um, but I think, as ever, David is trying to just ease him back into things. Um, those dodgy hamstrings he keeps getting um, injured with. Um, so he doesn't want to rush him back. He said Casey, you know, won't be um, in in action or won't be f- um, figuring against Bournemouth, but he's likely to play in the under twenty three game on the Monday. 
um, of which I'm hoping to go down and have a look and see how he's getting on. Um, and he might feature for one of the three games coming up, which is Man City, Arsenal and then Everton. So he's he was very quick to point out that everyone is going to be needed in the in the next month or so with the you know hectic fixture list come Christmas. So the, the the thing I also have to say about it was, I think it you know a lot of people um, ignored it or forgot about it. But I asked him about Michael Heffale as well. I was led to believe, like I think a lot of people, that Heff would be back after the international break. But it's more likely to be another four to six weeks, along with Jean Goran Stankovic. So a slower than expected recovery for the Heff there as well. So which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to Casey Palmer. He's obviously, David Wagner said, he's unlikely to play at the weekend. Who do you think will play that number 10 slot? We had a bit of a discussion about it last week and we kind of... I I think it's a bit of a problem area. I think the chopping and changing doesn't help. You were less concerned about it. Who do you think will play there at the weekend? Um, I I think he's going to be a problem maybe for this one because I don't think Aaron Moy is going to start. I know we're going to come on to Aaron in a minute, but I, I think he won't be starting that game he would be maybe the most natural option for some reason Sabiri who was mentioned again in the press conference um, he's having you know a bit of a struggle adjusting to Premier League life and and town at the moment Um, David Wagner said he's only 20 he's very talented but he's going to take time so he's out so I think it could be a a case of maybe you know Tomins going there Rajiv on one side and and uh, Elias on the other with Hogg and Williams in, in the holding positions uh, Talking about Aaron Moy obviously flew back from uh, from Sydney last night looks like it's unlikely to that he's going to start what did David Varden have to say about him I know there was was there a late fitness test or something they were going to do yeah so are, are we both agreeing that maybe we're going to put our hats on it that he's not going to start or are you still on the fence on this one what, what, where are you going for this one I d- he's not for me, I don't think he'll start. Yeah. Um, I think Town miss him a lot, as we've seen in the Swansea match, when you know he's he's the heart and soul of that team. Really, he's he's in the centre of the park, and everything goes through him. But you just, I think, if you play him at the weekend after flying that however long that flight is, twelve hours mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Playing him in a game 48 hours later, you're risking him for future games after that, I think. so. I, and I think David Wagner knows that. And he would rather play... Because Tom Ince is still a good number 10. Yeah. And you've still got two very decent players in central midfield as well. So, you know, it might take a bit of sting out of you against Bournemouth. But I think with the games coming up, I, I don't think he'll risk him. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think... David was quick to say, you know, look, we've been in this situation before, Aaron's been in this situation, he knows his body, it's nothing new. But I just think this time it's a case of time will catch up on on them being playing Wednesday morning and then flying back um, in the air, you know, Thursday evening and, and arriving Thursday evening. It's just too too soon. If it was Tuesday morning, 
it would have given another 24 hours but I just think it's just very nip and tuck and I think with that it's going to be a case of time he's going to catch up with, with them as opposed to anything else so I totally agree with with what you said and, and it's no reflection on you know on, on Aaron he's done it before he's been fantastic when he has done it I remember him coming back from uh, international um, break last season and scoring the winner against Leeds so you know he can he can do it, but I think this time it's too much. But hey, what a player to have on the bench! Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and he could definitely make the difference uh, at the Vitality Stadium as well. Um, we touched on David Wagner in the press conference. How was he personally? Was he was he in a jovial mood? Was he uh, very serious about this this game coming up? Uh, he's 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 serious about every game, obviously. Um, but I think that I think there's just a, a mellow calmness. Obviously, they they had the the. The international break on the back of a good win against West Brom. They've obviously gone 11 games, 15 points. So I think he's quite chilled about everything, uh, you know. And obviously, the only thing he's he was very keen to reinforce, whether it was you know full-back position, whether it was departure and Mounier, was the fact. Look, we're going to need all the players at some point over this period, and and I think he realizes that. This period could be make or break for not just town, but an awful lot of sides. Whether they're going for t- titles or whether they're staying in the league, and you know, I think the start they've been given it puts town in with a good solid foundation to 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 be equipped with that and and that and, and face it. So he was quite chilled, I think. Do you think when he speaks about uh, needing every player, obviously for him, he actually believes that, obviously, but. Do you think also it's kind of for the players? So maybe someone like Steve Mounier, the record signing, he's been kept out of the team by Lauren. Obviously, he's had an injury, but Lauren Dupuytre has played so well. That do you think that maybe he says that to the media to calm his players? Someone like Mounier who would want to play every game, but you know, is obviously not getting that chance at the minute. Yeah, um, could could be. I think a lot of management is is not. I think obviously management is tactics and and training, but it's. The essence of the word man management and and that and and it's in there. It's about managing players and dealing with players and disgruntled players and keeping a happy camp. And David Wagner, as much as a master tactician he may well be, he's also good at managing players and individuals and them sitting on the sidelines and just basically biding their time to, and coming in and doing a job when when they have to. Case in point, Martin Craney is likely to start against you know uh, Bournemouth tomorrow in place of the suspended Schindler. He'll come in, no doubt he'll be solid, um, and then he'll drop back out. No no qualms, no questions asked or anything. So I think when you evaluate a manager, um, and I don't want to liken David Wagner to anyone like Alex Ferguson, but it's all about man management, and Wagner seems to be a master tactician with that man management skill. On De Poitre and Mounier, then, it's I think at the weekend it's going to be a toss-up who plays... You know, David Varner could pick either of them. Who would you pick in that situation? Do you think De Poitre has done too much since Mounier's been out to drop him, or do you think Mounier is, you know, he's the record signing? He's probably, especially being 22 or 23, however old he is now, um, he's going to be the talisman sort of thing. So, who would you pick out of those two? Um, without doubt, Lolo. Um, he's uh, he's come in. Um, he's done everything that's been asked of him, um, and he's got he's got goals. And 
he's had a he's had a break. He he went away with Belgium after his performances earned him the international call. So there's no reason not to play him. Um, if maybe he the sort of style and the type of player he is. If maybe he plays Bournemouth, then he plays City, then he plays Arsenal. You know, straight after, and you're thinking, oh, maybe his performance levels have dropped. Maybe that's when Mounier might come back in against, you know, Everton. You know, um, so as 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 you know, David Wagner keeps saying, you know, Steve Mounier will get his chance, and that, um, you know, or maybe he might have a he might have a stinker against, you know, Bournemouth and be taken off half an hour to go. Mounier comes on on and te- tears, you know, Bournemouth apart and, and grabs a winner or a couple of goals. So, you know, but. Certainly, starting is going to be low low for me. Yeah, I think I think I've probably got to agree there. I think it would be harsh not to start him out after the form that he's shown this season so far. Um, also, in the press conference was Scott Malone. Um, how was he? What what question? Oh, he was obviously former Bournemouth yeah. as well, so he's expecting a bit of a hostile reception. Yeah, um, he didn't really want to talk about that. Um, it, oh, a question was asked about, oh, you know, are you expecting a bit of stick for um, how you left um, to go to Millwall? He was there um, for a season, um, and and that, and the, he was popular with the play with the fans, uh, and then he left um, from the sounds of it, slightly acrimonious. Um, but yeah, he he was fine. I have to say, I was a bit kind of distracted by the biggest ring he had. He had the big, you know, biggest bling ring there was. I said to him afterwards, I said, "That is some ring," and he was like, "Oh, oh yeah, thanks." And and he seems to have a tattoo of Marilyn Monroe as well. So um, yeah, that's that's certainly quite two questions, you know, to ask him on a on another uh, on another occasion, you know, uh, the, the the ring and and Marilyn Monroe, but. Um, yeah, he he was cool. Um, we've spoken to him a couple of times. Um, he, he also was the player that was up for the Carabao Cup um, game against Crystal Palace uh, earlier in the season. Um, very, very, he speaks very open, very honestly, very calmly. Um, and that difference is this time is is he actually getting a run of games now? Um, and I think he feels a lot more happier in himself, and he acknowledged he felt happy in himself. Um, by getting the games he admitted maybe he wasn't as sharp at the start of the season or, or as good as he can be at the start of the season but since getting his chance against Swansea and then playing West Brom Manchester United he's now feeling you know he's back you know at the top of his game and really pushing for the left back slot um, whether he'll get it I think maybe yes I'm going to say both him and Flo will start again against Bournemouth purely because okay if you haven't got um, the creative outlet of Moy you need some, some something you know else or, or that creative outlet and that attacking impetus from somewhere else so maybe if Moy doesn't start the the fullbacks more you know attacking minded fullbacks will kind of offset that um absence um, yeah, and and he seemed uh, he seemed quite um, quite happy and and content with life in West Yorkshire at the moment. Yeah, I think it's it was also interesting to see that Scott Malone was put up for the press conference because I think usually the people they put up will start the game. Um, obviously, that doesn't work all the time because Rob Green hasn't started a game, and we've spoken to him. Um, but I think to to pick Scott Malone to do it when the left back slot is sort of nip and tuck at the minute 
Um, I think that suggests that he'll start. Also, Flo was on HGTV doing an interview earlier as well, previewing the Bournemouth match. So it'd be weird to have two fullbacks previewing the Bournemouth match if they're not going to get on the pitch. So yeah, yeah. I think that would suggest that maybe against Bournemouth as well because Bournemouth have got some pace in their team as well and I think that's what Flo, Flo especially will give you that more than Tommy Smith uh, and Scott Malone as well has got a decent engine so yeah I think expecting them to start with Craney and Zanka Lossel and goal yeah. and then we're thinking Ince Ince Kachunga Van Lepara Williams Hogg the Quattro yeah. yeah that's that's what I would go for as well to be honest Um you can obviously have your say. We, we've got a, 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 the squad team selector as well on, online. So by all means, if you disagree with us, go go on there and uh, and, and put, give your own view and, and and submit it to us. But yeah, I think here, you know, Examiner Towers. That's definitely what we are both agreeing and thinking is. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's it. Yeah, um, let's move on then to a bit more about the game sort of itself. Pretty similar stories, Bournemouth and, and Huddersfield in recent years, sort of both languishing really in lower league football and then within the space of, I think it's time taken eight years and Bournemouth was about ten years as well, coming straight up to the top in the Premier League. Bournemouth becoming established now, sort of. I had this debate with uh, with Ash in the office earlier and we were, we were asking at what point does a Premier League team become established? Um I think it's a case of uh, it's second season syndrome for Bournemouth more than anything. Um, um, yeah, I, I've been building it as two similar sides, you know, going through administration, or going all the way to League Two, and then um, basically um, coming back um, all the way to the Premier League. And I think, although. Um, Bournemouth have maybe taken slightly longer um, the, the, the rapid rise has been more over the last few years the back-to-back promotions from League 1 to Championship to Premier League playing Premier League football for the first um, time last season second season and I think a lot of clubs we talk about second season syndrome a lot of clubs do suffer from it and, and I think Bournemouth particularly might be experiencing it this season more so because it might slowly catch up with them. Is this not their third season in the Premier League? Is it third season? I thought it was second season. I think it's 2015 they went up, because uh, last year Hull, Borough and... No, Hull, Borough and someone went up the season after they went up. Right, OK. I so thought... it's third season now. Right. But I can see what you mean, because it's similar to... It's kind of... It's, it's similar to second season syndrome, despite being in the third season, because it seems that teams have maybe slightly work them out yeah. and I think that happens in the second season more often than the third season but I think what Eddie Howe's brought to, to Bournemouth is similar to what is going on in Huddersfield it's not just about the tactics even though they are working and they or they have worked over the first two seasons they've been in the league but also that sort of team spirit and that that sort of us against the world mentality that you can see clearly at town is probably also visible at Bournemouth. Yeah, um, I, I think um, with with Bournemouth, Scott Malone alluded to the fact that a lot of the players he's going to go down there, and a lot of the players he's going to see are the are the same players that were there when he was there, and they were that that was League One. So 
I think what they've done with this, the infrastructure of having a lot of League One players, the ground, if you're going to go down as a town fan, it's a proper old-fashioned League One feel ground. They'll have a great day out. The allocation will only be about 1,000 away fans, but they'll be hemmed in into that little corner and they'll have a great day out. And, and I think at some point it does catch up with you because of the rapid rise. I think looking at the two sides, although Huddersfield Town, you know, are, are, are more you know that they've just got up I do think that um, the infrastructure maybe for town with everything is maybe slightly better in the long run than maybe Bournemouth because of um, you know they, they still need a, they've still got a lot of League One players in there and that who's mm-hmm. been them with them all the way I think what's also interesting to note is David Wagner came from a sort of scientific background into you know he did his was it uh sports science and sort of a bit of sports psychology in there as well and then came into management Eddie Howe is very hot on on the psychology of football as well and I know they've got a load of sort of inspirational quotes around the the dressing room and around the training ground and everything's very thought out and planned out I think that is also you can see that at town with the terrier identity and everything that's that's written all over canal side you know the the new um, terrier logo that they've got so I think, as well, it's they they've both noticed, or they've both acknowledged that they're not going to be able to compete with some teams financially. I mean, Bournemouth spent twenty million on Nathan Ake, so they're doing okay at the minute. But financially, against the big teams, or you know, just bringing players in and, and things like that, they might not be able to compete. But they can compete on that psychological level um, with grit and determination. Which again, which is why Huddersfield Town are in the in the top flight, and probably why Bournemouth have got there too. Yeah, I, th- I think just going back to that, totally agree with everything. Although David Wagner, when I asked him about the, the similarities with Bournemouth and Huddersfield, he was quick to point out that you know Bournemouth have maybe had a little bit more financial muscle behind them in the yeah. last few years, uh, rushing buying them and obviously spending twenty million on a player and things, um, whereas Town haven't really. Um, so yes, there are similarities, but you know, you know, there is also some vast differences in the the financial muscle, and I, I, I think perhaps the perception of Bournemouth is maybe slightly different to the actual reality in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. I think also what's different is their sort of identity on the pitch. I think Bournemouth are, are very much, or when they first came up, especially they were very much an attacking side. You know, they've, they've scored quite a lot of goals in the Premier League. I remember last season the was it uh, the three three game against Liverpool. There's been a couple of big scoring games in Bournemouth matches. Town, on the other hand, are very much set up defensively resolute and probably don't score enough goals. Um, how do you think you can see it playing out then? So obviously, Bournemouth haven't really uh, clicked this year as they have done in previous years, and they're not scoring as many goals. But how would you see that sort of? Offensive versus defensive thing playing out. You kind of build building it up as a, a, a nil nil here. It's kind of like well, you're insinuating this is going to be a nil nil. I don't know what sort of nil nil it's going to be, but yeah, you, I, I I do. Huddersfield Town specialise in in nils. It depends if they can score as well. Well, well, they haven't they haven't they haven't scored obviously away from home since 
Crystal, Crystal Palace at the start of the season so and that again was something that was raised um, and if you look at the stats which you know we've been looking at at the examiner this morning chances created their second bottom only Swansea's you know created less chances so creating chances and scoring has been a problem for town whether it is at home or away but particularly away from home so it could well be a nil-nil um, and that but having said that Town will take that. I would take that, and it's, it's a point away from home. You know, get points on the road, and win. You know, and obliterate everyone at home, and you're going to be comfortably staying up. In terms of where the attacking threat's going to come from, then, say Town get another clean sheet, I think it'd be their fifth of the season. Like, unbelievable for a newly promoted side to do that if they can get a winner where do you think that threat's going to come from we've spoken about the wingers and maybe them overlapping if Aaron Moy doesn't play like we think is that where it's going to be is it going to be Flo sort of overlapping Kachunga and cutting it back like we saw quite a lot last season with Smith and Kachunga it uh, could be. I, th- I think both fullbacks could offer something in attacking wise. Um, Malone was talking about he he scored seven goals for Fulham last season from a fullback position. Um, but for me personally, um, the, the offensive players need to need to step up more. Um, Rajiv has done that. Um, it, you know, he the, the forty five minutes he had against West Brom where he scored the, the worldie. Um, he proved that the game before when he when he he came you know he, he played as well against uh, Liverpool he he looked the, the most out um, creative outlet and you know and, and Manchester United as well so um, he is he is you know he stepped up and I just would like to see a little bit more from Kachunga and Tom Ince. Um like every time we're looking at the player ratings you know and I'm doing the player ratings I can't criticize the work ethic of Kachunga but I'm saying you know you know work you know work tirelessly you know backwards and forwards and that but I'm kind of not remembering last time he really kind of had that goal scoring opportunity or mm-hmm. he got into those positions in contrast, Tom Ince is getting into those positions, but he's missing um, guilt edge chances. Um, Swansea w- was was particularly one. Burnley as well. He he, ha- he had one and and that and Crystal and Palace as Crystal well. Crystal Palace. So yeah. So so there are, you know. So both of them, both of those two, and Rajiv to a lesser extent, judged on current form, needs to step up a little bit more. Which one worries you more then between someone who's getting in good positions and spurning chances? Or someone who's just not getting into those positions at all—is it—is it going to be a fact that a thing that Tom Ince needs to just work on his shooting? But we saw last year he can find the target when he gets into positions for Derby. Or is it Kachunga who is just not being in the right position? Probably not found the form that he had last year. A uh, bit of both, I think. With Tom Ince, if. if 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 you're talking strikers always talk about you know well you know he's they're missing and they're not scoring but he's still in the right place and you know you look at the match of the day and analysis and things and it's like well he's in that place he's in you know he's in the right place so I think it is a case of for Tom Ince it's just basically improving the shooting and yes he did score a lot of goals in the championship but the Premier League's a step up and you might have another couple of seconds to take a chance in the championship that you don't have in the Premier League so the reactions and and, and the quick you know decisive strikes you know it needs to be sped up for him maybe um 
you know, snapshots, things like that. Um, whereas he might have been able to take a touch, or he might have been able to think about it a little bit more, you know, um, slowly in in the championship. Kachunga, um, I, I don't know. Obviously, um, him and him and uh, he, he was obviously top scorer last season from a wide position. Um, so, but this season he's not even getting in it. So I think that is the worry, really. How can you have the top scorer from last season, who is top scorer, you know, out wide, where got more goals than the central, you know, forward, which was Naki Wells? Why is, you know, he not, you know, at least getting shots away or shots on target this time? Do you think maybe it's because of the the step up to the Premier League? Tommy Smith has been pinned back a bit more. Because we saw that Kachunga and Tommy Smith had a, a really good relationship on that right-hand side last year. Maybe Tommy Smith isn't being allowed to get forward as much because he's played the likes of like Anthony Martial and Wilfred Zaha and all these players who, first and foremost, you have to be able to defend against them as a fullback. Maybe, but then how how is Flo supposedly being given licence to go forward but Tommy Smith isn't we're talking about Flo as in you know this this player who's a right back who can bomb forward so but know. I think I think Flo the games that Flo's assuming Flo plays this weekend you know it's not a given at all but that means he would have started against West Brom I think he started against Rotherham in the cup as well yeah and Bournemouth yeah then there is a step up to your Manchester United which is maybe the defensive side of things comes into it more, and that's why Tommy Smith gets put in. Um, perhaps, um, perhaps that that is the case, and certainly you understand it against Tottenham, Manchester United. But you know they they played, you know they played Swan, they have played Swansea all right. They were all below par. Um, you know Crystal Palace, you know West Ham sides that you know aren't you know that are more likely to be able to be got at and Kachunga still has not been in those positions. Um, so, you know, unless, you know, Leicester and, and Leicester is a side who sits deep, invites you on, Kachunga didn't get in those positions. So, um, you know, it, all, all right, he, he did have, a, I think he had a goal disallowed um, against Leicester, but other than that, he's just not seeming to be getting into the positions regardless of the opposition excuses you know for Manchester United Tottenham yes that's the case but um, it is a it is a widespread kind of continuing issue as opposed to just because of the opposition yeah in terms of both the teams then their targets are are obviously going to be the same this season Premier League survival Um, that's just that's how it is really for the bottom 10 teams I'd imagine or maybe bottom 12 teams who do you think is more is better equipped to stay up this season. Um, out of uh, town and the cherries, I think. Um, I think going back to what we said about, um, you know, yeah, you know, the, the team seem to be finding out Bournemouth a little bit, um, and that, and I think the, the 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 novelty and the newness of town and the unknown package of them may well see them over the line um whereas Bournemouth they might get the, I think they might have been found out a little bit too much um this season um so I think probably town might be more equipped but um the the result I think if town win against Bournemouth on um on on Saturday they'll be 8 points clear of them so I think you know that will be you know that could the game could be quite decisive in 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 that respect as well. So, but at at the moment, looking at it, 
after 11 games I'd say Town are more equipped to stay up than um, Bournemouth yeah I think I've got to agree with you there um, I think in terms of a squad Town are stronger individual players are stronger I just although Bournemouth have some stars Nathan Ake is obviously a great defender up front Callum Wilson has shown that he can score goals in the Premier League Josh King as well who's, who's injured for, for tomorrow's match actually um, I think I think King is is a is a late fitness test, a bit like Aaron Moore. Okay. So, but um, Stanislav is the junior Stanislav is definitely out. King's facing a late fitness test, um, and you've got Benikafobe who might start on the bench. Obviously, former lone lone player. Um, so let's hope the curse of the former player doesn't come back to haunt Town. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like you said, they they have got they have got players, and that that can you know can score them score goals. Yeah, I just I think if you look at core positions, I think Town probably just edged them. Uh, I think in centre, central midfield, especially Aaron Moy is head and shoulders above quite a lot of players in that sort of bottom twelve teams. Um, Christopher Schindler as well has been outstanding. Lauren de Poitras has been great up front as well. So I think Town edge it in individual quality for me and team spirit as I said before I think it's two sides with a very good team spirit going against each other so should be interesting to see how both managers approach it and how the players approach it as well because Bournemouth will probably assumedly been targeting this game as well for three points yeah no definitely I think they they will have Um, and that another player just to mention Jermaine Defoe we haven't mentioned him but he's always good for a goal as well Mm. so um, so yeah, and I do think both sides will be looking to get points. Bournemouth three, Town obviously win, but I think they'd be more than happy to go away from the South Coast with a point as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, should we have some predictions for for the match then? Well, you, you, well during this podcast, you've been sort of building it up or suggesting that it might be a, a nil nil. So I'm going to actually, I've been sold on that kind of insinuation, and I'm going to say nil nil. Um, it might not be pretty, but it'll be effective, and Town will go away with a point, which you know, we, which will be no great um, shame. Um, and then they they have the uh, rather um, easy game against Manchester City the following week. Um, so, um, but yeah, I think a point will be will be a great result for Town. Okay. Well, despite suggesting it's going to be a nil nil throughout, I'm actually going to go for a Town one nil win. I think they'll keep a clean sheet. Um, assuming they can keep Jermaine Defoe quiet because he's he's not quite clicked at, at Bournemouth since his move from uh, from Sunderland. So I'm going to go one nil Town. I think they'll be able to score a goal. Martin Craney from a, a set piece. I would love it if Martin Craney um, scores from a set piece. Yeah. Keep, um, keep Schindler out the team for another week <laughs> against Man City. Yeah, honestly, um, just just to mention Martin Craney, uh, absolutely top top professional, top guy. And as I said, with someone who comes in, does a job, um, he never lets you down, and um, and then just basically goes, sits on the bench, goes, plays under twenty threes until you're called upon. Um, yeah, and he's he epitomises an awful lot of you know the team spirit and no egos and no individuals in the in the team. So I think I would probably be cheering very loudly myself in that little press box uh, at Dean Court if that was the case. So yeah, I would be happy with that. Absolutely, uh, I think that's pretty much it from us today. Um, thanks for for joining me today, Blake. We'll be back on Monday to dissect the game a bit um, and. Hopefully we'll be talking about three points uh, for town. Uh, and then we'll be back again next Thursday to preview the Man City match. We, we've got a bit of a sort of a special 
that week we're going to try and get a City fan and a Town fan in here and let them uh, fight each other until we have a winner yeah definitely maybe uh, arm wrestles and stuff like that yeah absolutely Uh, so yeah thanks for listening Uh, this has been Uta Beer Podcast Nu twee gig data met een 0 minuten bel en sms bundel voor maar 9 euro per maand. Omdat het kan. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.